Hi, I'm Alex Halpern, and this is Weed Week. Um, this is our third show. Thanks to everybody who's written reviews and left ratings on iTunes. We really appreciate it. And if you haven't yet, please do. You may have noticed it's just me this week. Uh, my regular co-host, Haley Fox, is out sick with the flu. Haley, if you're listening, uh, get rest and feel better soon, and we'll, we'll see you next week. So for the show this week, I'll give you an update on some of the big news stories going on, and then we'll get to my interview with Congressman Earl Blumenauer, a Democrat from Oregon, who has been a longtime advocate for uh, cannabis legalization. So we'll, we'll go through some of the news first. And of course, if you want more news, lots more news, you can subscribe to my free weekly newsletter, Weed Week at weedweek.net. So the first story I want to talk about involves a, a British company called GW Pharmaceuticals. And they just released the latest data for an experimental drug called Epidiolex, which they're proposing as a treatment for certain rare and, and very devastating childhood seizure disorders. And they've been doing trials for years, and the Food and Drug Administration could approve it as soon as June, which would make it the first cannabis drug approved by the FDA, with the exception of synthetic THC, which is approved for nausea related to chemotherapy. Um, this has been getting attention for a long time because after Colorado legalized, there were parents, families relocating to Colorado because they had children with severe seizure disorders and they were desperate to do anything and, and they started treating their, their sick children with CBD, which is a chemical found in in the plant, which is non-psychoactive, but is associated with many of its medicinal properties. And, you know, these parents have really had to sort of dose their own kids. And I think some have had strong results and some have had mixed results, but it's really been sort of trial and error the whole time. And what, what's interesting here is this is genuine pharmaceutical science being leveraged against a, a really devastating illness. Uh, GW Pharmaceuticals already has a drug approved in many European countries for treating spasticity related to multiple sclerosis, but not in this country. Dr. Elizabeth Thiel, who's the director of pediatric epilepsy at Massachusetts General Hospital and the lead author of the, the new study, said that the results varied depending on who, who was taking them. So for some, she said, it does not do a whole lot, but for the people it does work in, it's priceless. I mean, that's a pretty good argument for not, not forcing parents to try and figure out the appropriate dosages or even if CBD is, a, is an appropriate treatment for their children. So it, if it, the drug is approved, it could bring a lot of relief to families who have had a difficult time. So that, that's some health and science news. Uh, the big industry story this week is that Aurora Cannabis, which is the second largest medical marijuana producer in Canada, has agreed to buy Canamed Therapeutics for $1.1 billion Canadian dollars. That's about $850 million American dollars. It's said to create the most valuable cannabis company in the world. Previously, that belonged to Canopy Growth, which is another Canadian company. And of course, Canada is legalizing recreational later this year. And 
these Canadian companies, which are operating legally, have already begun to export product to to Europe and and to Australia, and um, American companies have no no equivalent opportunities. And as sort of the Canadian market is heating up, the CEO of the the brokerage TD Ameritrade, uh, Tim Hockey, said along with Bitcoin, interest in pot stocks and Canadian pot stocks is driving a, quote, spectacular increase in retail investor activity, sort of ordinary stock picking, especially by, by millennials. And so now in politics... It's now legal to get a high in the green, in the green mountain state. The big Lawmakers story there is that Vermont, Vermont became the first state to regulate and legalize recreational through the state legislature, and it was recently signed by, by the governor. And one of the interesting things about this industry is how every state has to figure out for itself what works and, and what doesn't for it. That's federalism in action, which, you know, for, for government geeks, it's a pretty exciting thing to watch. Um, what's interesting in Vermont is that the state legalized possession of one ounce and small home growing, but it hasn't yet authorized a, a legal marketplace with large grows and dispensaries and, and things like that. And it's, it's taking its time with that, and it's going to explore the right way to do it in the coming months. And I'm about to call up our guest, Congressman Earl Blumenauer, but before that, a quick correction. Last week, I, I said there was almost no support in Congress for Attorney General Jeff Sessions' decision to end the coal memo. That's the 2013 memo, which told federal attorneys to leave state legal cannabis businesses alone. And that's sort of the legal basis for the industry. Um, Jeff Sessions ended that in early January, right after the California market opened. I said it had almost no support in Congress, and, and I was actually wrong. A few lawmakers have come out of the woodwork and lent their support to Attorney General Sessions, including Iowa Republican Chuck Grassley, who's the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. There's another interesting wrinkle at at the federal level, which is that after Sessions rescinded the Cole memo, a few days after that, the government shut down, and that ended the Rohrbacher-Blumenauer Amendment, which protected medical, state legal medical businesses from federal prosecution. So, when the government shut down, there was it's the shutdown lasted, I think, seventy hours or sixty-nine hours. There was a sixty-nine hour period when cannabis businesses were essentially sitting ducks where the you know, the DEA could legally raid them at, at any time and then theoretically they, they could be prosecuted. But but it doesn't appear that there were any raids. And now when the shutdown ended, it renewed the Rohrbacher Blumenauer amendment to protect medical businesses and now it's supporters of of cannabis reform are um, pushing to extend that protection back to all cannabis all state legal cannabis businesses just as the cold memo did um so here to discuss what what's going on in washington we have an interview with congressman earl blumenauer democrat of oregon's third district and He's supported cannabis legalization since 1973. He's one of the strongest advocates for it in Congress. And here's that conversation. Hi, Congressman Blumenauer. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy to do it. 
you've been you were first elected to Congress in 1996, and you've been yeah. supporting cannabis reform since 1973. Um, so yes. So my my first question is sort of a big picture. What do you think of where we are now? Is is this what you thought legalization would look like? You know, in 1973, when Oregon was, I think, the first state. Uh, to vote on actually allowing adult use, uh, and which failed, but uh, we had it on the floor of the House, and then became the first state to decriminalize, I thought we were kind of on a roll. Uh, the case to me seemed very compelling. Um, it didn't make sense, the, the regimen that we had in terms of prohibition. Um, and I thought that it would not take... 24 years and we're still battling this. That said, uh, what happened in the course of the last six or seven years has taken off. Um, and I, uh, I could not be more pleased with how rapidly we've turned the corner. What's your current top legislative priority when it comes to cannabis? Well, my top priority right now is to stop the, led, the federal government from interfering with state legal marijuana enterprises. Uh, we have the Rohrbacher Blumenauer Amendment that uh, protects state legal veterans uh, programs. We're working to expand that for all uh, state legal programs, including uh, adult. Hard uh, on the Heels is taking care of the insanity that this is not an industry that has easy access to banking. Forcing most of these state legal programs to be conducted on an all-cash basis makes no sense at all. I've been working on this for four decades. I've never met a single human being who thinks that it's a good idea, and virtually everybody understands that it's an invitation for theft, for money laundering, for tax evasion. Um, so that's very important. And last but not least, to uh, stop the unfairness where they cannot fully deduct their business expenses for tax purposes. People in this industry ought to pay fair taxes with a check. So keep the protections and expand it and fair taxes with a check. Now, you're, you're a co-sponsor of, of a bill called the, the Marijuana Justice Act. Can you tell us a bit about what that would do in addition to the financial rules you just mentioned? Well, we've got, and it, part of it is there's a, a variety of uh, bills moving forward. One of, I would just mention, that I've uh, introduced in the House and Senator Wyden has introduced in the Senate is comprehensive. It takes care of all the stuff that we've talked about. Uh, more recently, uh, the Justice Act with Barbara Lee, uh, Senator uh, Booker uh, in New Jersey, uh, puts a special emphasis on dealing with the communities and individuals who have been damaged by this destructive uh, failed policy of prohibition. Um, and I'm pleased that we're watching more interest and momentum for taking care of people who've been collateral damage. Uh, the recognition that we have 
grotesquely discriminated against young men of color, especially African Americans, um, and they could have their just their whole lives turned upside down. Um, we're moving to try and correct that uh, with the legislation. Uh, things that we we care about in terms of taking making uh, it possible to to have uh, criminal records expunged, uh, being able to deal with uh, going back and looking at some of the sentencing um, that uh, has people behind bars right now who uh, don't need to be there, and uh, in some cases with current laws wouldn't be there. Um, this is part of of what is really an exciting development where we're watching all of the problems associated with this failed policy of prohibition uh, coming together, building a broader base of support. Uh, there are a couple of dozen pieces of legislation, which, and I encourage uh, my colleagues, uh, if they've got a good idea and it, it fits with the overall framework, I co-sponsor and try and help them. Uh, this is the more the merrier. So the big, the big news in Washington recently was uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions rescinding the Cole memo, which um, when there was the shutdown, it, it opened about a three-day window for right. there to, to be a crackdown. And then um, the Blumenauer Rohrbacher Amendment was, has, is now reinstated <laughs> with the rest of, I guess, federal spending right. for the next couple of weeks or so. Um, but, I mean, how would you characterize the reaction in Congress to, to Sessions' move? And I'm especially interested among Republicans. Well, it's interesting uh, to watch uh, Sessions choose the week when the largest marijuana market in America went legal in California and when the first state to legalize through the legislative process, uh, Vermont, uh, was enacted. Uh, people in Congress were deeply concerned. Um, actually, there was, uh, you know, we, we're, we've watched the momentum shift in terms of getting more and more support for our marijuana initiatives. Um, now we have virtually every Democrat, and we've got probably three or four dozen Republicans. And it's interesting watching some of the Republicans in states, uh, particularly Colorado, Florida, California, where whether or not they had been champions before, all of a sudden it's clear that they're looking at the federal government interfering with the will of their voters. And that's not a good position to be in. So we've seen, uh, uh, we've seen slow increase in the number of Republicans who have been uh, voting for our provisions. Uh, Dana Rohrbacher has been a champion right from the beginning. Uh, there have been some other people who've uh, added uh, this momentum. But it was, it was fascinating that uh, there were several people like uh, Senator Cory Booker, um, uh, my friend Carlos Covello, uh, uh, Ryan Costello from Pennsylvania. Uh, these are people who uh, are committed to the issue and understand that this is not good policy, and they understand that it's not good for Republicans. I mean, you know, we hear we hear a lot in, in about things 
people say in Washington behind closed doors and, and the things they say in public. Um, I mean, do you get the sense from your Republican colleagues that they're they're further ahead on this than perhaps they're, they're saying? I think uh, there has been some evolution. I think there's more comfort. Part of, uh, as you know, we've worked to create a, we first uh, started a bipartisan working group with staff members where we invited uh, staff members from Republicans and Democrats alike who uh, supported uh, a more enlightened cannabis policy. Uh, that has, in this Congress, has become a bipartisan cannabis caucus uh, with uh, Don Young and Dana Rohrbacher as Republicans co-chairing it with me and Jared Polis. So we're, um, we're, we're watching uh, this move forward. The, the Republicans in Congress have not moved as fast as Republicans in the general public. It's kind of interesting. Uh, the public actually has been ahead of the politicians. Uh, when I've been campaigning literally from coast to coast on these initiatives, uh, you don't see very many uh, members of Congress out there. Um, it's been uh, a, sort of a recent addition. The public um, has driven this agenda, uh, starting in California in 1996, uh, Oregon shortly thereafter in, in, with uh, medical, uh, what we saw in 2012, 2014, uh, and now 2016 with state approval. Um, the public's been a couple steps ahead, uh, but more and more Republicans are feeling comfortable. Um, and the Jeff Sessions outrageous action really forced some people to kind of step up a little bit because this was an assault on their states. Coming up in, in this year's election, I mean, do you feel Democrats should be running on legalization? And do you have any thoughts for how candidates who aren't necessarily comfortable with this issue should be talking about it? Well, I think uh, people should not run away from this issue. It is one of the most important issues that's that is just below the surface on all the major problems we face. Um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, we've seen African-American communities really seriously damaged because of any unequal application of the law, and the law is bad. Uh, there's strong evidence that Richard Nixon uh, had their war on drugs to be able to demonize young people and African-Americans. Um, but this is, uh, this is something that where we've moved on. Uh, we've watched now about two-thirds of the public support adult use. Um, I saw a poll recently where a majority of Republicans for the first time supported adult use. Um, if the question, regardless of how you feel about marijuana, is whether the federal government should interfere with what the states do, uh, that's three-to-one opposition. So I think every one of my Democratic colleagues uh, should, in fact, embrace this. Uh, medical marijuana, states' rights, ending a failed prohibition on adult use. Uh, part of it is the solution to the opioid epidemic. States that have 
uh, medical marijuana, for instance, prescribe fewer pills. They have lower overdose deaths. Um, this policy of prohibition has failed spectacularly, um, and I think there's very little downside for Democrats and, in, in many cases, Republicans stepping out and being involved with it. It's time that everybody is forced to take a stand. The veterans issue is potentially a big one for Republicans. Well, it's, it is a, a huge issue for many Republican voters. The Republicans killed my veterans access legislation in the last Congress, um, where it passed both the House and the Senate, was in the final bill that would have ended the prohibition uh, for the Veterans Administration to be able uh, to talk to veterans about medical marijuana in states where it's legal. And they stripped that provision out, even though uh, virtually every Republican and dozens of, I mean, every, every Democrat and, and dozens of Republicans had voted for it. Um, now even the American Legion is talking about uh, access for veterans and re repealing the research prohibition so we can find out how to better meet the needs of veterans. Um, I think it is, uh, it's reaching the point where it is not uh, a political issue except if you're against it. And I think it's going to cut against the people who fought it. One of the, the main legalization opponents, a guy named Kevin Sabat, likes to he, – he's sort of making the case that the industry is going to grow into what he calls another big tobacco. And, I mean, I think the comparison is flawed in some respects. In Sort of the most obvious is probably that hundreds of thousands of Americans die every year from tobacco and, and yes. no one dies from <laughs> marijuana. But, but I think – there is sort of a broader point that the, the industry will become wealthier and more powerful and, and, you know, like any interest will have certain priorities. Do you have any concerns about how the industry is developing or where there need to be checks well, on it? Well, look, look, um, first of all, you know, I, as I've carried this message around the country and worked on the campaigns, there are people who are concerned about big marijuana. My answer has been, you've already got big marijuana with drug cartels uh, that uh, manage this underground industry. It, the $8 billion that we have now uh, in the 30 states where it's legal in some form um, and the 200,000 jobs, uh, this is still the tip of the iceberg. There is a vast underground market um, in marijuana. Uh, the best hope that we have, I mean, I will take a regulated, taxed uh, industry that each state can determine what it wants to do over what um, happens uh, with the vast underground market, the drug cartels that leads to other criminal problems, other drugs. Um, give me a break. Um, the difference between... Uh, big tobacco and big marijuana. This is developing on a state-by-state -state basis. States have the right to regulate and set it up. There, as you know, 
there every state is different. Uh, some states are, um, you know, it's vertically integrated. Some states have limitations in terms of who buys in. Some states are making it, and localities are making it easier for communities that have been damaged by the prohibition have an opportunity to have uh, a, a start uh, with some of the benefits of the industry starting up. So let's, by all means, watch what happens carefully. Uh, I think it's important that uh, we have the diversity in the industry. What I find to this point is that there are a wide range of people who have a foothold in the industry. It's, in some cases, there are larger businesses that are uh, dealing with economies of scale, uh, better capitalized. Um, in other cases, uh, it really is sort of mom-and-pop operation. It's very diverse in these almost 5,000 facilities around the country that you can buy marijuana. And as I say, each state is different. States have the opportunity to deal with the regulation. And I think they ought to watch how the industry develops and act accordingly. But I will take this over the failed policy of prohibition um, and the criminal influence of the black market. Well, thank okay. you so much, Congressman Blumenauer, no. for, for joining us. I enjoyed us. the opportunity to talk about it, and I uh, look forward to continuing the conversation as we continue to fight this battle. All right. Take care. You bet. That's our show for this week. We hope you found it interesting, even though we're we're a woman down. And Haley, again, we hope you're feeling better, and we'll we'll see you next week. We're excited to hear your, your questions and comments, and you can send them to hello at weedweek.net. You can also find us on Twitter at EP Fox for Haley and Alex Halperin. That's H-A-L-P-E-R-I-N for me. We're also at Weed Week News on Twitter and Instagram. You can sign up for the Weed Week newsletter um, by visiting weedweek.net. And if you're already a subscriber, thank you so much. Give us a rating or comment on iTunes. We're a new show, and it really helps people find us. I'm Alex Halperin. Our Haley Fox is out this week. Our producer is Katie Long, and Alicia Byer wrote our team music. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye.